Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Shadows. I'm Stuart Best. Where the paranormal is normal. Where that which you thought you knew, you didn't. And where the future can be known, if you know exactly where to look. Well, good evening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and listening. We've got a round table tonight. we got uh, John Van De Vetter with us. Hi, John. Hey, good evening. And we got Larry on. Hi, Larry. Hey, guys. So, what I want to do, I want to start off with a little bit of scripture here, because this kind of dovetails into some of what we're going to be talking about. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, and signs and lying wonders. So this is going to be quite an event. And uh, UFO sightings are going on all over the world. Anyway, uh, why don't we start with you, John? What do you think about this? It sounds to me like this is an arrival verse of Scripture of some sort. Well, yeah, it it really does sound that way. Um, You know, I don't know so much about the cryptid stuff um increasing lately but it seems like there's been a huge increase in ufo activity and just last month um i was on the jessica jones show actually it was earlier this month but our discussion was about um cattle mutilations down in texas they had a little uh that's right little uh flap i think it was six to eight cattle mutilations in three different counties that um Mm -hmm. in the you know they were grouped right together down in South Texas, South Central Texas. So, um, yeah, I'm hearing more and more about UFOs than anything else. And then the cattle mutilations, you know, that usually goes hand-in-hand with the Bigfoot phenomenon. I did research it a little, but I couldn't find any reports of uh, UFO sightings in that area during the time the mutilations ran. So um, who knows? Uh, Sometimes, you know, they, they chalk up some of the mutilations to satanic groups or things like that but um i just thought it was interesting yeah of course they do have cloaking devices too so they can come in and do their work and nobody would know they were there you know that that's one yeah go ahead go ahead ahead. 
Well, I'm just going to say, you know, that's one of the biggest warnings we get, those signs and wonders and um, paranormal activity on the increase. In fact, uh, my next adult novel deals with that. So uh, it's going to be about the thinning of the veil between our, our dimensions and the dimensions of the angelic and fallen angelic and um, things coming into our dimension that um, would usually not be allowed to, but they're going to start slipping in as we move toward tribulation. Yeah, yeah. There's no question that the gates are opening. Larry, what do you think about all that? Well, I feel honored to just uh, be on the show with two novel writers. I mean, (laughs) hey, uh, (laughs) that ought to give me some prestige just being a guest. But, uh, and and by the way, uh, uh, you know, kudos, Stuart. Uh, you've got a, a new novel coming out, or a, uh, a uh, see, I'm trying to think how to do that, a reconstructed novel. or uh, but, but anyway, you got a book coming out, and I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, uh, John's got, uh, from what he was saying, it sounds like that's really going to be an exciting read. I can't hardly wait. Uh, even though I might have to wait, he's only, you know, I guess he only writes so many lines a day, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, uh, you know, the, the UFO sightings have been up. Uh, matter of fact, I've noticed some, uh, activity in the skies, uh, recently towards where John lives from my point of view. And, uh, also I've heard a lot of, uh, what sounds like to me to be some type of, uh, I want to say fighter jet aircraft or something over his area. I can't see them, but I can hear them. And I know that's kind of where they fly. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know, but all of this is going on and it reminded me of, uh, a number of years ago, I was, a, well, actually, Stuart, this happened when you actually wrote your first book. I, I think you called it Danny Dougal. And yes. uh, when you wrote that first one, you know, I, I, I was working in northeast Texas at the time for a sheriff's office there. I was an investigator. And I got sent down to a very lonesome part of the county uh, down uh, in a river bottom area where some rancher had found a number of his cattle uh i guess you could say it they appeared you know they had uh something very unnatural had cut into their bodies there was no blood uh you know uh sex organs removed the tongues removed part of the jaw uh you know certain portions of, of the bodies were removed and it didn't look like they fought at all. It looks like they just laid there and was cut up by something very unnatural. And what, what's so strange, and I, I think I shared a little of that with you, Stuart, when you were writing your book, Danny Dougal. But anyway, uh, what's odd was that, you know, I took photographs, you know, because I'm a photographic nut. I mean, I love photographs. And uh, at that time, I was using 35-millimeter uh, cameras, you know, Mm-hmm. And that was the old-fashioned time before everything went digital. But I got really good pictures and also worked up a good, uh, what I call a uh, offense or incident report with lots of data, lots of time frames, and et cetera. And uh, these looked like they had been done about uh, 24 to 36 hours prior to being found. And when I got back to the sheriff's office, nobody wanted to talk about it. 
And then they said, well, just just write a little just a little flyer incident report. Don't make a big deal out of it. You don't need much said. We don't want anybody in the news picking this up. We don't need to include any photographs. In other words, this was another one of those non-events. Yeah, and it does make you wonder why they don't want any of this reported. And, uh, you know, these things are very, very important. And uh, yeah, when I was doing Danny Duel, uh, that that and uh, the latest updated, uh, which I did get over to uh, the publishers, uh, it doesn't. It, the first chapter actually starts with that: how these kids get involved because one of their neighbors has had some of their prize-winning cattle um, found dead. No blood, everything taken out that was uh, of interest to these uh, entities, whatever they were that did it. And uh, <clears throat> obvious laser-type knife, uh, precision, med- medical expert-type cuts, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, it goes from there. And... Uh, it, it's uh, it's amazing that we had because you know those were going on uh, some time ago. Linda Moulton Howe actually was the one who began to break those kind of stories in her Earth Files uh, web page. I, I don't know if you. I'm sure she still have it in archives, but uh, she did a, a marvelous documentary on it and. Again, nobody wanted to say anything about it. Uh, the police were very, very self-contained, let's put it that way. And uh, John, have you had any, uh, did, did you get into any of that kind of research at all when when you were writing? What, what Have you got a title yet for your newest? Yes, I do. Um, but before I get to that, I just wanted to congratulate you too on your uh, your novel coming out. And I got to tell you a funny story. Um, well, you know, we discussed earlier. I had a few health issues recently, and um, and I've had trucks break down, lawnmowers break, you know, the usual stuff. And yep. So I didn't get um, got my third youth or young young adult novel about to publish, and. Um, I was talking to Francesca, our publisher, <laughs> and um, I said, look, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm going to try to get it out this week. And she said, oh, you're going to have to wait now. Stuart's in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I got kind of tickled about that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just about to finish up Curse of the Ishkatini, which is the last of um, well, the third Shadow Chasers, Shadow Chasers novel for young adults. And then um, I've started a little bit, and I'm going to attack heavy on the the uh, novel I was telling you about earlier called the uh, the thinning, and it's just in reference to the thinning of the veil. So I'm hoping to have it out, be done with it by August at the latest, and uh, get it out in September, hopefully. Yeah, I'm not sure when mine will be done. She didn't say the title of it is Earth Fall. And, well, they're working uh, on it now, I know. They're working yeah. on it instead of Curse of the Ishkatini. They'll <laughs> <laughs> have to talk yeah. to her about that. <laughs> News you lose, uh, you know. 
<laughs> yeah. But no, I'm 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 really excited that uh, you went with Empire and you're going to have a book out soon. Really excited about that. Yeah. Well, hopefully a lot of folks will read it. It's it's a very very interesting faction book. It's uh, really based upon the total truth, but you have to write this kind of stuff as fiction. And right. uh, it took a lot of research, as you know, to to get all the facts straight and then redo the facts. You don't redo the facts, but you got to incorporate them somehow in a fiction novel that's basically the truth. And, uh, yeah, and get, it, 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 it's kind of hard to do, but it's, it gives you so much material, too. Um, and what I did in the last Relics book is all the stuff that's actually factual that I kind of written into the uh, to the nonfiction, you know, written into the story of our, my characters. I just went ahead mm-hmm. and put uh, um, links for where you can find discussions of these subjects and things like that. So, yeah, I it, it that's I don't know. To me, that's a fun way to write to tie in a fictional um, story with actual events it's just uh it's pretty awesome I, I it makes you enjoy the writing much more at least i do yeah yeah uh yeah, it's a, it's uh it's a lot of fun let's put it that way and you just hope that the people have good imaginations and can uh picture in their mind what they're reading and uh, I yeah think well some i think people the, have actually the, lost that now with tv and movies right well i think between larry and i will be uh promoting your book pretty heavy. I know I'm going to promote it to my, my readers, so hopefully you'll get a good jump out of the gate there. Well, I hope so. Uh, anyway, tell us about, you had a, uh, you went and shared, I guess would be the word, a uh, big, what was it, a Bigfoot convention or paranormal convention? Well, this was a Bigfoot-only um, conference in Tallahassee, Oklahoma. It was last weekend. The Kaimichi mm-hmm. Mountain um, Bigfoot Conference, and it was the first one for Tallahina. So, and it went really well. The uh, lady that runs the Bigfoot Museum down in Tallahina, Tanya Kordek, um, mm-hmm. she hosted it, uh, and um, she got some help from some uh, some other researchers and investigators, and they just really did a dynamite job. We had a really beautiful venue there at the Choctaw Civic Center in Tallahena. Um, nice crowd, uh, knowledgeable people in the crowd, too. Um, great questions. We had a lot of really wonderful speakers. So it, it was it was a piece of cake for me. To, you know, I was the MC and um, it really went well. My job was easier, and I think all the speakers enjoyed it. I guess our big speaker, would you would say, was, was uh, Ken Gerhardt. You see him on a lot of uh, sci-fi channel shows and um, what is Discovery, maybe, Travel Channel, like Mystery Alaska and things like that. Um, he's written some books on Big Bigfoot and other cryptids. He's uh, he's on TV quite a bit, and he's he's associated with the Small Town Monsters uh, group, the people who make the films about, like, Beast of Bray Road and uh, Falcon mm-hmm. Monster and things. There's two yeah, guys that... that wear the Smash Cowboy hat. He's one, and then Lyle Blackburn's the other one. So we had Ken Gerhardt there as the keynote speaker. So it, it was a great weekend. Really enjoyed it. Hmm. Did they bring any new information with them? about sightings of well, Bigfoot. Well, yeah, um, there was 
there, there was new information. There was, uh, there was some evidence. We, uh, in fact, uh, Tanya um, was given what's supposedly Bigfoot um, hair for her museum, and um, at least four of the speakers had something to do with the, the genome project, the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch genome project. And I don't mm-hmm. know, do you know anything about that? Have you heard of the results of that? I haven't heard basically, any results, but I've heard about it. Okay, well, basically, it was run by uh, Dr. Melva Ketchum, and she she took a lot of heat on this because the, uh, you know, there's kind of two two schools in the uh, Bigfoot world. There's what, you know, called the apers. They think it's an undiscovered ape of some kind. And then they call the other side woo, but that's the more spiritual side. You know, people think, well, there's more to it than it just being a, an ape. I think I even think David Politis has gone over that camp. I know Ron Moorhead has. And uh, so they had a lot of information on that. And this genome project, why she took so much heat was when she did the DNA testing on this material they got that was supposedly from a Bigfoot. The uh, mitochondrial DNA was human female, and I forget what the word is for the male DNA was unknown. So it, you know, it fit right into like my book Relics, where we had hybrids, you know, um, mm-hmm. coming in with, with uh, angelic DNA and human DNA, and and so I, when that came out, I was pretty happy. That, well, that helps my novel, but but yeah, it was very interesting. So there was four people there that it had something to do with that. So it was a really good conference. It really was. Oh, good, good. Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. And as the veils thin, there's going to be more and more weird, weird stuff. By the way, Larry, talking about weird stuff, did you figure out what that object was that Darnett had a picture of? I don't have a clue, actually, except... Uh, and I think I sent uh, Patty uh, an image of the cloud. Yeah. And yes. if you, if you, if you, uh, and you can't really see it in the cloud. It's coming through the cloud, coming downward. And uh, when Darnett took the picture, and but if you enlarge the cloud, it's very visible. There it is. Oh, yeah. It's like nothing I've. It's like really nothing I've ever seen. Uh, it looks basically like a solid object, and uh, the, it's kind of concave in a way. Uh, it's very—it's hard to describe, actually. I—I I, I don't think I sent it to John, but I wish I had. But anyway, uh, he was out of pocket when all this occurred, and uh, I don't know what it was. She didn't know what it was. Matter of fact, Stuart, when she took the picture, she said there was something, but uh, she said I really didn't see it exactly that well. And but when she sent me the cloud, the picture of the top of the house and the cloud, uh, where she took it from, you know, all you had to do was just enlarge that cloud, and there it was, just clear as day. It's uh, but we're seeing stuff, Stuart, and we're seeing a lot of things in the, uh, and of course it made no sound. Uh, we're seeing a lot of things in the uh, the skies that, you know, I know a lot of people think maybe it's blue blue beam. But some of this stuff like we're seeing is a little weird for Blue Beam. I don't think they're into that that much. But I've got a theory. I've been kind of toying with it. You know, I, the other day I got I borrowed your tinfoil hat, Stuart, and I put it on. And I sat, I sat on the porch a little while and kept thinking and thinking. And I came up with this theory that I, I kind of begun to look, in, look into a little bit. 
And, you know, in our uh, solar system, the sun is very, very important. Matter of fact, basically, they say it's the giver of life, if you will. Yes. Because without the sun, there would be no life. So, And in, and on the other hand, you know, it's representative of the S-O-N, which I guarantee you, without him, there wouldn't be any life at all. Uh, but with that being said, I was considering and thinking and, and scratching my tinfoil hat, and... Uh, I kind of begin to think about, you know, you've wrote a couple of books. I know you're on the third book, Frequency, and uh, mm-hmm. they're really, really good. And I begin to wonder, Stuart, if it was possible that this very strange activity that's going on in our sun is, and, and you know, of course, the destroyer and its entourage is out there, but and it affects our own sun, but something is really affecting this new solar cycle 25 still showing solar cycle 24 in some of the sunspots which means it's not completely it's not completely 25 yet but yet there's still some 24 in it which is odd they say it's really odd that it usually goes from one to the other but the one the way you know that the uh solar cycle 24 is still active is the sunspots will be reverse reverse polarity which indicates it's from the old cycles. And so anyway, with all that being said, you know, I talked to Standeo one time, and I'm trying to condense this. Uh, Standeo says that the sun has now changed frequencies. He said most of it you can't even hear. You you can't hear it. It's just like the new light, uh, you know, that's coming Mm -hmm. off the sun. It's not in our uh, availability of our eyes to see that light. So we don't even know it changed or there, but it has. And, and I begin to think about the frequency part, about how the sun's doing now, different frequencies. And I and you know we've heard, or we you know some people have assumed, and I kind of go along with it, that everything in this universe is you know in our time space is set up on a frequency uh, scenario, oh, if you will. Absolutely. Yep. And if that's true, Stuart, and I'd like your opinion on this, and, and John's too, I'm beginning to wonder if our the activity of our own sun and our own solar system is somehow because of the frequency changes that these changes have also affected the the veil itself that surrounds planet Earth and, and our own solar system and has literally caused tears or possibly diminished areas in the veil so that we begin to see and hear and and actually almost uh, make some type of contact with things we can't even imagine what do you think that i know that's oh. weird uh no actually that's probably very accurate um the whole universe is set up on frequency now, we don't know exactly how the Lord has made time and space. We don't really even know what it is. We just know it exists and it's there. And uh, some scientists will even say that time is sort of a, uh, a misnomer. You know, we really don't understand it at all, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, when you get into frequency, Tesla said that if you really want to understand how the universe works – you have to begin to understand frequency and um, vibrations, which are it's a form of frequency. And our 
human, how do I word this? The human being is set up to operate with the Schumann residence, the frequency of the earth. And uh, the reason I got involved in frequency is uh, is because of what the Bible says about it. In the beginning was the word, and uh, word is a sound, and sound is vibration, and vibration is frequency. And so the deeper you go into this thing, and the deeper you get into quantum physics, and you get down below the atomic level of all things, and you're getting into quirks and all of that sort of thing, when you get down beyond all that, you arrive at what they call now fields, frequencies. That's all it is. And our brain is set up so that we are seeing all these inputs of frequency, and we translate that into solid objects. It's, it's no different, really, than a movie. You know, a lot of people probably have seen, uh, you know, if you watch a, a slow movie, and I don't mean slow in plot, I'm talking about if if you slowed it down so that you were viewing like 10 frames a second, it would be, you'd see it. If you speed it up, that vanishes. And that's how frequencies work. And uh, anyway, it, it gets kind of complex, but in another way, it's very, very simple. Because I don't think there's any question that heaven is a very high frequency, whereas hell is an extremely low frequency. And if you get into New Age stuff a little bit just to see how they're interpreting it, the higher the frequency level, you get into peace, love, etc., etc., the good things. The lower you go in the frequency level here, the more you get into um, violence and hatred and all of that. And so the sun, because the way you were talking about how there's a correlation there, if the sun changes its frequency, then those frequencies have a very weird effect upon the human mind let alone human sight, because if you will notice, for example, on a pretty sunset, everything kind of looks kind of orangey and warm and golden colored. Very, very pretty. On the other hand, if you're in a winter cold day at noon, it looks very cold and icy white blue. And it's just it's how the sunlight is striking things. But uh, I believe what we're going to watch, like you just said, are veils. Because we don't know exactly how our time-space is contained. We know it has something to do with the electromagnetism uh, and, and the frequencies contained within it. So if you change that, you probably are going to change the um, field that's containing it, allowing other things to come through. Now, they're already poking holes. We've, what's the name of that ranch out there, John? I'm sure you've uh, looked into it. Uh, what do they call that Skinwalker ranch out ranch? there? 
Yes. Skinwalker Ranch? Yes, Skinwalker. Yeah. Well, see, there's portals there. And, uh, Larry, you've got portals right around where you are. So yeah. they've learned how to punch holes through all this. And they're, they're using advanced technology. They're advanced creatures. We, I know people don't like it when I say you should respect Satan. But Satan is super intelligent. Even the angels did not dare a fool with him. They said, the Lord rebuke thee. They wouldn't do it. Uh, we don't have respect. And because we, I guess most Christians nowadays don't even believe Satan exists. So uh, it's kind of a mute point, I guess. But uh, frequency is behind the whole thing. And yeah, frequency controls agree. the mind. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say, first I want to thank Larry for those uh those novel writing ideas. He talked about the sun and its frequencies changing. Thanks, Larry. Um, don't give Stuart back his tinfoil hat. Keep on feeding me, brother. But anyway, <laughs> yes, you know, our, our hearing and our sight operate at certain frequencies. Um, you know, take, for example, uh, infrared. Our eyes do not operate in that frequency, therefore we do not see in that frequency. And there is no telling what we're not seeing and what we're not hearing because our eyesight and our hearing is limited. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a very interesting uh, topic, the frequencies and how things are moving out. In fact, um, I don't know if either of you have ever read uh, Ron Moorhead's Quantum Bigfoot, but he explains how frequencies work in there a lot in it, and he ties it into, you know, uh, some of the weirder, aspects of Bigfoot, like track lines just disappearing, you know, just out of blue where there should be more tracks. The, you know, the ground's just as wet and it's just like it walked into a hole or walked into another dimension. Um, the, how some people can hear them and some can't. And then, you know, they, they've been, they've been reported coming in and out of portals. They've been reported uh, where there's UFO activity. Um, I think to you, my, my personal opinion on UFOs is, uh, it's some kind of angelic or heavenly being um, technology. I, I really don't think they're coming from planets light, you know, millions of light years away or anything like that. It, it's just, uh, you, I, I couldn't see the purpose of it, but, you know, that's just me. So I, I tend to think our, our aliens are interdimensional. Now, yes, they, they may be, they may be, they may not be, say, angels or fallen angels per se but i'm pretty sure there you know there's some other heavenly being that was created by god and they're either good or bad um so but that you know that's my opinion and uh, a lot of people don't share it but i think that that to me seems way more plausible than um traveling um you know hundreds to thousands of light years or even three or four light years across uh, the galaxy or across the universe to come here. Um, that's just just me. The technology would be just Well, the Bible would indicate that. The, the Bible would, would indicate that what you just said is, is true. It talks about they pose as planet, uh, planet beings that came from other star systems. Uh, the Native Americans call them the star nation people as Larry undoubtedly knows. Uh, but they really, that's, that's a posing. 
uh, if you go into the book of Enoch, the ancient book of Enoch, it says they, they're interdimensional, basically, and they're also what we know call shapeshifters. Now, a lot of people don't really understand shapeshifters or, or don't, can't believe that. But we even saw some of that in the movies in the Terminator series with Schwarzenegger where the uh, advanced Terminator could sh- shape shift into about anything he wanted. And uh, the Bible indicates, and the Book of Enoch would verify that that's probably exactly what they do do. And what they do is, uh, you're right, they're interdimensional creatures. They're not coming from some star system a billion light years away. They're just claiming that's where they're coming from. When in reality, they're just simply interdimensional and uh, yeah, very dangerous interdimensional creatures is that. And um, I think the Bigfoot, according to Red Elk, he said some of them are just visitors. Come to take a look at what's going on on planet Earth, and that would be his theory. Others are, and that's why they can vanish. They're interdimensional creatures. And then there are the real biological uh, ape-type creatures, which are also Bigfoot, called uh, the uh, Yeti, you know, the giant snow creatures out over there in, uh, in uh, the Himalayas, et cetera, et cetera. Those are probably biological creatures. And uh, we have no idea what's left of the giants or how many of them are still in existence. Uh, and on and on and on it goes. So, But, but getting back to the uh, um, shape-shifting, the, 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 question, the only question is, are they actually shape-shifting or do they have the ability in, to make it look like they're shape-shifting in your mind? In other words, they project it within your mind. And it's really they're not, you're not seeing who they are in reality because they're projecting a reality they want you to see. Kind of interesting, actually. How all of that might work in the end, it well, doesn't make any difference. The, it kind of goes along with the Navajo um, skinwalker. Um, you know, they can not red. I don't know, but they they can assume any creature they want. But um, they have they seem to have a preference. You know, uh-huh. some of them. But yeah, like one could one one may want to appear as a wolf may. You know, one may want to appear as a deer or an elk or a or a buffalo, you know, or, or a cryptid form of any of those. So, um, what you're talking about here, the appearance we see, it may be the intelligence is so high they they appear as something that's going to make us fearful or make us trust them. So, that, that's a pretty in- interesting concept, I think. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, I was. I was thinking as you guys were talking how that, uh, if you remember our old buddy uh, uh, Richard Shaw, you know, the uh, film mm-hmm. guy from from California uh, who works so closely with L.A. Marzulli and, and a number of doctors and went to Israel and all that. Remember, you know, uh, he would, 
Dr. Lear gave him or, or provided him a copy of a video that was taken in Turkey. It was in the sky in Turkey. And in the video, remember, it, it, you, he saw a very strange-looking craft, but you, it looked like it had some view windows or something in it. And, you know, he was searching all of that, and uh, he couldn't tell what it was. And uh, what was interesting was uh, Richard, who really, was really, really smart, really smart guy, and he, he dealt with a lot of filmography, and anyway... He began to he ran the uh, speed of the film of watching of viewing the windows on this craft. Uh, you know, he tried to speed it up and got nothing, and he, and then he began to slow it way down. And what he found out was that every there were creatures inside this craft. You could see them through the windows. There were some humans there that didn't have any clothes on. They were lined up for something. Uh, there was, he observed one that seemed to be in charge. It looked like, he said, the best he could tell, it appeared. And then the image he showed later uh, appeared to be a, uh, a uh, oh, what do you call the, uh, praying mantis, a praying mantis type creature. And then there were some grays and, and there were some other things. He couldn't tell off what they were, but... He had to slow the film to an extreme slow level, and then uh, later on, we, you know, uh, he ran some of that by Standale, and then in one of our shows, remember, I talked to Standale about that same filmography, and Stan said, I, you know, I asked Stan, I said, is it possible that outside the craft, you've got one speed of, you know, normal Earth speed that's, that's going by, but inside the craft, it's different. And remember, Stan said, of course. He said, it's actually probably another dimension inside that craft. You know, and, and, you know, he even shared that some of the craft we see that are not real big, he says, inside that craft is huge. You just don't see it as that. So uh, kind of what we're seeing is not what we're seeing, if you will. Uh, you know, it's it, well, it, it, it's really paranormal and supernatural I, I liken it to this okay this is an example uh you know i've had some experiences where the lord has took me to different places you know like one of them was uh about eight trips to mars when you were working on tithonia Stuart. you're familiar with mm -hmm. me and and all of that but one of the things that i recognized in uh you know being in my spirit body was that apparently it's multidimensional and what is interesting is, you know, in the uh, spirit body, you have no concern of any kind of length and width and height. Uh, you know, when people say, well, how big was something? Then, well, it's not relevant to the spirit body. It's, there's no concern. How, how far were you from something? Well, it doesn't matter. See, all those things fall away. Now, if I'm standing in my flesh body, all those things line up, you know. I look at I look mm -hmm. at distances, and I look at sizes, and I look, you know my 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 own mind calculates all those things. But in the spirit body, there's no calculation because it's basically irrelevant. Now that's being said in the Lord's activity. However, if you remember, everything the Lord created, uh, the enemy of our souls, you know, the Nephilim, the fallen ones, and all of them, they can only borrow His stuff. 
and they they steal. They can't. It's not. They don't possess it, but they use it. His stuff or his dirt, if you want to put it that way. So basically, I would look at it like, and this is just me thinking now. I would look at it like uh, the the fallen angels themselves would probably have the ability to shape shift into absolutely anything they wanted to look like or act like or any of that, and and they could do it at will because of their. Uh, supernatural abilities that they still contain to some degree. However, mm-hmm. however, if you if you watch the movie Predator, you'll remember how there's there's a cloaking that can be used, a technology that can be used. I I would look at it like a number of the Nephilim, if you will, or the hybrids. They utilize technologies and and abilities, even paranormal stuff, that uh, actually mimic the real. But it, but they have to use a lower technology basis to operate to be either be invisible or appear to be something else or to actually cloak and maybe they look like a shiny object and you know I don't know what do you guys think? Yeah, go ahead, John. Well, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they have the ability to uh, appear to us as as they wish. Um, I, but then again, you have to wonder too. You know, what's the first thing an angel says when he encounters a human? It's fear not, or you know, don't be fearful. Be, you know, maybe their appearance is uh, is. I don't know. Maybe the fallen angels can will will trick you and 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 assume different different a different appearance. That might be what they do. I just know that almost every case you hear of a angel encountering a human the first thing is fear not or do not be afraid coming from the angel to the human because i'm sure the the sight is so overwhelmingly um majestic it probably does strike fear in the hearts of a human so but i I think you're right larry i think they do assume a shape as to whatever their intention is with us you know make us fearful um make us trusting whatever Well, you know, it's interesting because if you go back into the olden days when they had sightings like UFO sightings, a lot of the sightings were like dirigibles and uh, that sort of thing. They didn't start turning into saucer-shaped shapes until later. Uh, So that makes it kind of interesting, doesn't it? And and if you go back into even – yeah, go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say, it always seems like they're just a step ahead of our technology. You know, the dirigibles and and blimp-like, Zeppelin-like sightings were happening about 20 to 30 years before we actually had Zeppelins and things like that. Um, Then there were the rockets and then the flying saucers. You know, it's like they're always just just keeping out of touch of our technology or just ahead of our technology, I should say. Yeah, as Noah says, play games. <laughs> right. <laughs> they like to play uh-huh. games with us. Uh, anyway, I wanted to read this. This is kind of interesting. This is remember the uh, V movies, the movies V. Yeah. Yeah. About the arrival. Okay, I just wanted to read part of this. Forty years later, the guy that uh, is still getting uh, uh, that wrote it. Um says the the writer, producer, and director, Kenneth Johnson, has never stopped getting fan mail 
about the miniseries he created back in 1983, which rattled America with its deception of cold-blooded authoritarians conquering the world. They invade, the invaders in red jumpsuits, dark glasses, and ball caps were actually beings from another planet. But Johnson intended the sci-fi drama to be more than mere escapism. To him, it was a warning. When he gets new letters from viewers, Johnson opens them hoping they got the message, which seems as obvious to him now as it did back then. I got to thinking, God, how would everyday people feel if suddenly there was a sea change in our lives that turned it all around? If suddenly some hyper power rolled over us, just like the Nazis rolled into Europe. But in recent years, far-right conspiracy theorists, QAnon followers, garden viral lunatics, have instead homed in on the fact that these extraterrestrials were secretly reptilians disguised as humans to mislead us. Many harbor a sincere belief that a reptile cabal really does control the world. I've gotten emails over the years and letters from people on the fringes who say, oh, you got it. Johnson says, you know. There are lizards among us. Now, you see how here's a guy who actually made that series. They were lizards. They were reptilians. But he's mocking it. When he gets a letter, they harbor a sincere belief that a reptile cabal really controls the world. Well, that's exactly what Jesus Christ said in the scriptures. It's right there in the book of Revelation. Satan is a reptile. And and maybe this goes along with the, the uh, series of, uh, what do you call them, um, where they go out and survey. And 50% of the people don't even believe Satan exists. And that was, I think, among Christians. So how in the world, uh, what are they going to do when this arrival does take place at, a, at the very beginning of the show? This is real. It's coming. They are going to show up. Now, uh, it, we do know that there's a fake arrival coming as well, but uh, what do you think, guys, on that? I mean, that's kind well, of an odd statement. Well, my my mind falls back on the Twilight Zone movie, and I think that you never will be able to convince them, especially uh, the woke, that uh, to serve man is a cookbook. They'll never believe it. (laughs) Until they're going into the oven. (laughs) Anyway, what do you think, John? Well, you know, it's... It's no secret that that even Satan in the garden, he's he's referred to as a serpent or a reptile. Um, sometimes the uh, fallen angels are referred to as dragons, and I've even seen uh, Satan referred to as a dragon. So yeah, it's not a far stretch at all um, that that they're thought of in this way or portrayed this way to me. Yeah, and the amazing amount of disbelief uh, 
about it. It's where the you know they're they're going to be part of this delusion. They're going to walk into this thing hook, line, and sinker when it happens. Anyway, uh, scientists reveal date they believe we will hear from aliens. It's scarily soon. They claim that that will be around 2029, they think. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? Sooner? Later? <laughs> Who wants to go with well, that one? <laughs> To me, that could happen at any moment. Um, it, yes. You know, it, it could also coincide with the rapture. But, you know, as we all know, that's that's one of the explanations they'll use for the rapture is, well, these aliens arrived and these people needed adjustment or, you know, something. So they took them to, you know, their home planet to re-educate them and straighten them out. So, yeah, I, I don't – why wait till 29? I mean, anything can happen any day the way the world's going right now. Um, I, right now, nothing would surprise me. So, But everything that happens, I think, is, is biblical, and it's going to be, you know, on God's design, his, his timeline. But anything that happened right now wouldn't surprise me. Well, let me throw, yeah, let me, let me throw this curve at you because I'll add a little bit to it. Um, I was going to say that, you know, every time that we've spoken to Standeo, and, you know, he did an incredible uh, restudy uh, or breakdown from the original language of the book of Daniel, you know. I mean, it's really, really good. And uh, one of the things that Stan was convinced of after that uh, book of Daniel, and by the way, uh, Standeo's favorite movie is V, both copies. You know, there was an original and then there was later another one that came out where yeah. they actually used some kind of, they sprayed something in the air like chemtrails that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, Standeo, he basically says that the arrival, in his opinion, is imminent. In other words, he's not looking down the road very far. He thinks it's just almost any time that could occur. And uh, And what's interesting, though, too, is is the fact that where we are in time, if you will, uh, you know, where Israel's at and the great chaos that's there and the great chaos suddenly in America and the great chaos that's circulating over the entire planet and the elite are going for the gold, if you will, or in other words, they're going full bloom into whatever they're going into. And at the same time, uh, this uh, director of, uh, I'm trying to remember what, I can't remember his name, starts with an H, I think, uh, but he was the director of the Space Agency for Israel, the guy that spilled the beans a little bit about the yes. uh, ETs and mm-hmm. how that, uh, and, and you know, how the world was dealing with ETs behind the scenes and how that Israel was basically involved with the ETs and it said that Netanyahu had even had meetings, you know, Matter of fact, uh, Barry Chamish, you know, he's gone now. He he passed away. But Barry Chamish wrote a book, Return of the Giants. And in that book, and I've still got my hard, hard copy. I don't think you can find them anymore. But in that book, he had uh, visual images. They also put in that book how that Netanyahu had been secreted away out of uh, Tel Aviv at the time, I think, and was taken to meet with some giant entities uh, and, a, and a craft that had landed in Israel. So, with all that being said, uh, 
I, I don't know if you've heard about it, but, you know, the last uh, couple of weeks I've been catching a little bit out of Israel, and it seems that some of, not all the rabbis, but certain rabbis are now saying that they seem to have an indication that Benjamin Netanyahu is going to be the one that actually introduces the Antichrist. Now, I don't know, but isn't it odd, the timing and how all this is unfolding? Well, we are very close to an arrival, and, uh, uh, you know, it depends on where you view the rapture, and I know people, pre-trib, mid-trib, no rapture, and all this sort of thing. I, I just hang on my head on what Jesus himself actually said. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to get you. Uh, so I'm going to hang my head on that. He said it. It's true. So the only question is is not whether it's going to happen or where we're going to go. It's to the Father's house. Uh, and there's a reason for that, and that is a wedding. But speaking about the arrival, here's a curveball that was thrown at me. And um, it's kind of interesting because this deals with COVID-19, and it deals with the uh, jab, so to speak, and it also deals, however, with the uh, next pandemic, scamdemic, whatever you want to call it, of Bill Gates, who has now said he thinks 2024, 2025, we will have such a huge thing, it's just going to be very, very bad. So anyway... Uh, a fellow emailed me, I think, or it's an article. I can't remember. I get so much stuff. But this is what it says. Warnings of an arrival. The latest scamdemic COVID virus name is Octorus. So I couldn't help but do a little digging and research. Is this a warning of the arrival? Octorus is also the brightest star, Lucifer, in the constellation of Bootus. According to the belief of certain New Age movements, Octorians are a very advanced extraterrestrial civilization from the solar system of Octorus, who wish to share their knowledge and wisdom with the citizens of Earth. Now, that's one of the reasons I read what I read at the very beginning, this strong delusion. They are described, now this is interesting, they are described as other dimensional, advanced star beings. Octurians are said to be very loving and peaceful beings who are willing to communicate and work with any soul that wishes to travel with them to a higher level of consciousness. Now, this is all New Age babbly book, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> babble. <laughs> I don't know. Currently, they would guard the earth, help heal the planet, and raise its vibrational energy, in other words, frequency, emotional mental, physical, and spiritual transformation would be among their primary goals. Octarians would regularly incarnate on Earth and would have been involved in the Earth's evolution. Now, that is all 
male bovine droppings. And it's all uh, new age, gobbledygook, and it's a strong delusion. And I would say 90% of the human race is going to fall for it, at least 90%, probably far, far more. Uh, I'd like both of you to comment on this. I, this, threw, this threw me for a loop at first. But Octorus, I've got a book. Is Octorus the star of Jesus Christ? And the book kind of proves that it is. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I would have... <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead Don. You go well, ahead. I was just going. I, I was just going to say that uh, you got to remember that uh, Lucifer had problems. He failed, and uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, pride pride was one of his big deals. And you know, uh, the enemy always comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the steal is the one that that you know crossed my mind because. Uh, one of the things that, remember, uh, he wants to be worshipped, you know, like the Creator's worship, basically. And yes. uh, and so it would not surprise me at all that, you know, I haven't studied Arcturus. You know, I know about it, but I haven't studied it that much. But I, if, if by chance this was somehow originally, uh, you know, the Creator's star, a special star uh, for, you know, Jesus Christ, or whatever, however you want to put it, I would not be surprised that, uh, you know, the fallen one stole it. In other words, you know, it's it's kind of like, even though, uh, you know, the prince and power of the air, he don't own earth, it's not really his, it's like he's only got a rental against it, and humankind's on the planet, and he's trying to get rid of humankind while he's still got the planet and he's running out of time. So it's like a renter that he, he can't put nothing more down on <laughs> to pay another month's rent, so he don't have much time to do what he's going to do, and then he's out of here. So Earth really doesn't belong to him, but he stole it. And if you'll remember, Stuart, you know, we've talked before, you know, there's a, there, there's a lot of unspoken stuff in the Scriptures about, uh, you know, the fall of the, you know, the evil one and mm-hmm. and how that... During that time, there was a well. Actually, that battle is still going on. I mean, it's it's a it's a battle beyond time and space, and and, and it involves multiple multiple dimensions. And mm-hmm. uh, we don't know. We we do know that there's a planet or two or more that's been destroyed in our solar system, and pieces of it seem to be the Oort cloud. We know that Mars was basically almost wiped out with something that took its atmosphere ripped it away and, and then then hammered the planet. Mars is just it's in bad shape. But uh all the other planets are not like they were originally. So we know that there's been a great uh I don't know if you call it a galactic war or a or a dimensional war. It go it stretches through dimensions and time and space into where we are. But Stuart we do know that the fallen one he captured and apparently had his own kingdom set up on certain planets, and, and they say the one that was completely destroyed by the creator that they, some people said was called Tiamat, that uh, it was his, his home base, if you will, or something. 
And so yes. I don't know. That's yes. I, I'm wondering about all of that, Stuart, because Arcturus could belong to the Creator, and it was a special one. And during this rebellion, if you will, it was taken for a period of time by the enemy. I don't know. What do you think? Well, what's kind of interesting is, of course, they say that, uh, you know, you mentioned Mars being on one side scarred heavily and on the other side giant rifts and uh, and volcanic activities. In fact, the largest volcano in the entire solar system is on Mars. And uh, but how do I word this? There's a scientist that uh, uh, a good friend Barry, <clears throat> I think he did a Bible quote on it about uh, <clears throat> a nuclear explosions that were on Mars. Brandenburg. And, yes, and uh, so they were blaming it on you can have natural nuclear explosions. But I would say probably they were not natural. They were angelic made, if you want to use that term, for the entities before mankind was created. I mean, the Bible clearly does say that there was somebody here before we were. Uh, When God uses the phrase, go forth and replenish the earth, the word replenish means what it says. It means there was something there, but now it's gone, and now you've got to go out and replenish it. And, of course, I believe if you go back into uh, some of the more ancient writings, what they're talking about is uh, Satan uh, was running part of Earth. Earth was part of his, uh, I don't know what you could call it, collection of planets, his home planet is probably the asteroid belt at this point. And Mars may well have been one of the satellites of Satan's home planet. Uh, We find a lot of that information in Ezekiel. And very, very interesting. But the book on Arcturus, it says, Arcturus, the star of the second coming. Approaching Days of Heavenly Signs and Cosmic Disasters is written by a Daniel Speck, S-P-E-C-K. And it's a very, very interesting read that um, Arcturus may, in fact, supernova. And that would be the sign of the second uh, coming of the Lord. Now, when you get into the more scientific aspects of this thing, then you get into books like uh, Earth Under Fire by Dr. He's a scientist, Dr. Paul LaViolette, and uh, how cosmic super waves are incoming, along with gravity waves and, and cosmic waves and whatnot. We talked some time ago about how the solar changes in frequency affect people's minds. And Cliff High and the bots did a series on... Uh, Uh, what he called sun disease and how it affects humanity and how we could connect possibly these changes with the sun. Remember in Deuteronomy, the Lord says, I'm going to smite you with madness because of your rejection of my son, Jesus Christ, basically is why he says it. And uh, if you have frequency change, that's that's how he could do it. We're already watching people lose it and they're having mental 
trouble. And, uh, you know, uh, we got into some of that before. I don't want to get into it again right now, but um, it, it really does affect humanity's minds. It can cause depressions, euphoria, uh, brain fog, uh, changes in personalities, etc., etc. And of course, along with the jab, which they now prove have proven, is uh, some of it is electromagnetic in its qualities. Uh, they had, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, folks. If you want to find out how far advanced they are with nanotechnology, all you got to do is go on YouTube and type it in, and you'll see movies from scientists about nanotechnology and how advanced this stuff is. God made nanobots. We have nanobots within our bodies, and they are programmed. They're little atomic-sized little creatures that go around and do whatever they are required to do. You'll find that on YouTube, too. It's amazing what they're finding out about how God made the human body and how these little tiny, tiny things, so you can't see them with a microscope unless it's extremely powerful. These little tiny things go around and, for example, collect waste products and put them in a little bag, and then the bag gets dumped somewhere else, and on and on and on it goes. And they're working 24-7, 365. So when the Bible says that mankind is fearfully and wonderfully made, they're not fooling. And uh, but I, what I when I read this warnings of an arrival because I. Taurus deals with the arrival. Why would they name one of these COVID viruses Octaurus unless they know? And speaking about what they know and maybe don't know, what is the latest on all the scientists, um, senators, congressmen, Biden, all kinds of people? leaving Washington, D.C., and going to underground bunkers. Now we have some verification of that uh, from people on the inside. What is going on there, Larry? What do you think it is? Well, we really I never could particularly vet they were going underground. However, do you, I was able to vet the report that uh, I guess came out from Hal Turner first, and but then I vetted it with multiple, multiple sources uh, about the uh, cell phones that were being distributed in the Senate, and, and you know um, by the uh, I guess they call it Sergeant of Arms or whatever, but uh, they're being given cell phones. I, I, the Gateway Pundit dot com did a really good article on it, a researched article. And their information was from uh, some of the whistleblowers, I guess you could say, out of the Senate, senators, was that they had been told uh, that there was coming a, uh, let's see how they said it, a, uh, a an event, or in other words, a, a some type of disturbance event, if you will. I, I don't have that right in front of me, the terminology. Oh, here it Disruption. is. I did find it. Yeah, disruptive? it's a disruptive event is what they're calling it. And they did confirm that uh, senators were being given satellite phones. And, and in the background, which you really can't vet that much other than 
uh, call it rumor for now, is that uh, there's an event coming where the cell tires are going to be apparently uh, brought down and you will not have any uh, iPhone or cell technology uh, availability. So, you know, and nobody knows for what period that would last or what would actually cause it. So, oh, by the way, I don't, I don't know if you saw it today, but this is getting off plot a little bit, but uh, Medevev has now warned the U.S. if the uh, F-16s that uh, they agreed at the G-7, and especially with Biden, uh, to provide to uh, Ukraine if they provided the F-16s with the fixtures that could carry a nuclear bomb, not a missile, but a, a bomb, uh, because they have them, uh, that there would be a, Russia would immediately do an imminent uh, first strike, and so anyway, that's kind of so we don't know what all this is is building to. It could be something involving the sun. I mean, everything out there is right now seemingly a threat. Yeah, it just seemed kind of odd. Have you heard anything, John, about that? Well, yeah, I have an opinion on this. If this is happening. If it is, in fact, they are sheltering him. Um, I was watching a video today, and I don't know who the ladies was. She had something to do with the the Fed or the uh, the banking system or whatever. Um, but she, it, she was being interviewed by Stephanopoulos, and um, she's saying we're going to be broke by June 1st. The America will be broke. They won't be paying their they won't have the money to pay their bills. And, of course, you know, that means Social Security recipients, veterans, everybody that uh, has paid in won't be getting anything. But I'm sure they'll find a way to send money to Ukraine and, um, you know, make make $100,000 payments to people who jumped across the border. And you know what? If they're hiding, it may be from that because I think there's going to come a point when people have just had enough of this, you know, what they're doing. They're just selling us down the road, and sooner or later, there's going to be a pushback. You can't just keep pushing, and maybe they're scared. That is if they are, in fact, taking shelter, you know. Um, I haven't heard any proof of that. As far as nuclear threats, man, we get a nuclear threat every week. We get two or three. You know, somebody's always saying we're about to get nuked, and you know what? We probably will one day, but what can we do about it? <laughs> I mean, um, it's, it's gotten to the point where anytime I read any of that stuff, oh, you know, this is going to cause nuclear tension, it's, it's gotten to the point of just the boy who cried wolf to me. You know, um, we mm-hmm. hear it so often, two or three times a week, it's just gotten ridiculous. Uh, I really think if it's going to be anything, it's probably going to be because we're out of money because that is the thing that makes the most sense because look at look at how we've been doing. What is it, $150 billion now to Ukraine? I mean, we're, 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 we're giving them money to retire on and taking the retirement away from our own citizens. Um, okay. it, it's just ridiculous, and that could be it. I don't know. If they are, in fact, right. sheltering, I wouldn't blame them if that's about to happen. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of upset people. Well, I do have a clue, Stuart. On uh, yes, I do have a clue. I've been watching really, really closely on the War Room with Steve Bannon because he said had some people recently on from uh, Geneva. <coughs> that's the UN meeting. It's involving who and that so-called treaty that's not a treaty that they're about to implement. 
Yes. And uh, I've been listening to some that are, are sharing information from there is uh, Michelle Bachman. She's been warning uh, a woman by the name of Nur Bin Laden. That's been the old Bin Laden's niece, but she's really good. You know, she's on the good side. And a couple of other uh, individuals, and they are saying that kind of what they're gleaning is that uh, Ukraine is like a uh, laundry machine, and they're siphoning off a tremendous amount of money that's given to Ukraine, and it's being forwarded to who? Because they're setting up a digital uh, surveillance platform and control center uh, away from the U.S. It, 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 you know, it's probably going to be out of Geneva, and mm-hmm. it, uh, it's going to literally control the whole world and everybody in it, and that's the platform that's being set up. And, uh, you know, they need the funds from somewhere, and so apparently they can't go through Congress to get this, and so they're using Ukraine. Of course, they're using that war, too. But tons and tons of money is going to who to set up this platform, you know, which they based basically after China, to run the world. And from what I've heard, according to Michelle Bachman, nobody, uh, you know, about a year ago, they stopped this. They, they delayed it because there was two or three countries that wouldn't go along with it. Well, that changed. She said now, since Biden's bought into it, that all of them, of the nations, there's not one dissent. And so they basically done all the paperwork, and, and May the 23rd, I believe is the date, May the 23rd next year, 2024, it will implement. It won't even be voted on. It will literally implement on that date, and it'll everything will be prepared and ready. So... I don't know. What do you think? Well, that would go along with Bill Gates and uh, his statements that this next pandemic, scamdemic, will take everybody by notice. Uh, they'll notice it this time. And uh, I believe that's when they will advance the secondary. Uh, they've, <clears throat> this one was an experiment. They've already proven that, that uh, the batches were different. They had different concoctions in them. Some got placebos, some got very dangerous, and they died right away. Some uh, didn't get stuff to, a different concoction, and so they died within five to six months. Others got something that will kill them within a year. Others two years, some three or four years out. Uh, but they, because by doing it that way, they couldn't get caught. And, and of course, if you followed any of this, um, they claim that these people are dying from all heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's because the jab attacks the organs along with the brains. And, you know, we've talked about the zombie and the zo- uh, World War Z or World War Zombie and whatnot. And uh, here's a headline. The next PSYOPs has been launched as the World Health Organization warns of mass deaths to come while babies are being born with deadly heart disease. Uh, How do they know that? Well, because they know what was in these things. And these people are still walking around, folks. Nobody's doing anything about putting them away. These people ought to be hanging from ropes. They're not going to be. They're going to be hanging by Jesus Christ. It's going to take care of them. 
Of course, they don't believe any of that either, but they're going to find out the hard way Jesus Christ was extremely real. More real than they realize, I guess, how you uh, would would think about it. And here's another headline, the World Health Organization. Outrage over unprecedented land grab that would see the World Health Organization force Britain, the U.S., and Australia into lockdowns in future pandemics. Because under this new treaty, the WHO could order governments to impose rules in future disease outbreaks that are mandatory, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just reading an article. You knew, you've all heard about the 15-minute cities. Now they're down to one minute. One-minute cities. And it's all about lockdowns. And they're going to do it through the power of their money, according to the Book of Enoch. This is how they get their power. Their power is through the power of their money, uh, which is probably why Jesus said you cannot serve mammon, money, and power, and control, or you got to serve God. You can't serve both. you got to make up your mind which way it's going to be. So anyway, we're heading down that road. There's no question about it. Uh, anything else you want to bring up, John? Well, no, I just, you know, as we're kind of rounding it up here, just want to say, you know, you, you listen to this show. You listen to any show. You you um, you visit any website on the topic of tribulation or end times, and, and you hear what's going on in the world, and you hear the threats of these wars, rumors of war. You hear what we were just talking about um, a global takeover of, of all the Earth's economies and, and, and one world government and possibly getting nuked and it, and it it can it's such a spread of fear it's so fearful sounding and I just I just call out to people to remember this war is already won yes we're going to see some battles and we're and it's going to look like we're losing the battles but the war is won it's going to be won. Um, Yes, this is disturbing, the things we talk about, the the potential things that could happen is disturbing and scary, but, you know, remember who your God is. Remember who your Savior is, and fear not. We're going to get, you know, through this thing. Whatever happens in this lifetime and on this earth is a little consequence when you think about eternity. So just keep the faith, you know, know your God has us, and know what these jackals are doing they're only doing it because god's allowing it and he has his reasons so um i just want to tell everybody you know be strong keep your faith and um you know i know it's scary but there's really nothing to fear i guess it depends on which side of the fence you're on whether it's scary Uh, or not (laughs) if you know the lord yes go ahead larry yeah, I, me and you was talking the other day, and I just wanted to, you know, because I like books. I like physical books, actually. They're okay in Kindle, but I'm not big on that. But I got my hands on a series uh, that was recently put out. It's the first series I've found that, uh, you know, and, and you you mentioned Earth, uh, Earth Under Fire, but this is a, it's a book called Flashpoint. just came out 2023, and it's about a gamma ray burst. And let me let me just read really quick some just parts in here. It says uh, the realm of science fact 
there are two potential sources for an Earth-bound GRB in our galaxy at this point in time. The first is a massive star named Eta Carine, and the second a binary star system called Wolf Rayette, WR-104, uh, says uh, both are around 8,000 light years away, close by cosmic standards, and both have potential of imploding and setting off GRBs. Uh, Wolf Rayette looks to have Earth in its sights, meaning we're lined up for a direct shot if that happens to go off. And then he comments, very interesting, because he takes in everything we've talked about, uh, nuclear war, uh, volcanoes, this, that, and the other, and he says, mm-hmm. uh, says a GRB striking Earth would be the very definition of an extinction-level event. Uh, says all these other uh, terrible things pale in comparison to a gamma-ray burst destructive potential. Worst of all, by the time you see it coming, it's already too late. You know, I got to thinking about, uh, I believe the Colbert and also Red Elk talked about the red sky, and and they, and I believe the Hopi talk about the red sky, and when I believe Red Elk said when you see the red sky, it's too late. And so what do you think, Stuart? Uh, but this is the first fiction novel I've seen that they're using a gamma ray burst that hits the planet. Yeah, this is what uh, Dr. Paul LaViolette talks about when he wrote his book, Earth Under Fire. And he talks about the Hopi and the Blue Katrina and the Red Katrina. And uh, when and he's right, he says that but when you see he said, a blue star, I did a video documentary called Blue Star Shining. Mega Earth Changes 2, I can't remember. I think that's the title of it. And <clears throat> Blue Star Shining. And when you see the blue star shining, the gamma ray burst is already hitting, and it's too late. Yeah, it, it does humanity basically in. And uh, if, you, if you follow the scriptures, uh, not too many people are left when this thing ends, uh, because we have to go through, number one, a mini-nova, from the sun, where the sun gets seven times brighter than it is now. It scorches men with fire. And then a pole shift occurs. And, uh, of course, when you have a pole shift, the winds probably 1,200 miles an hour wipe out anything that's in the way. And then you have the ocean rising up over the mountains. Like in the movie, uh, I think it was, what, 2012? Uh where they had uh, the tsunamis coming in. And ancient documents do talk about a tsunami that was a couple miles high down here in the southwest, which they also said had cities of shining lights. Uh, Nothing new under the sun. So (laughs) you got Phoenix and Las Vegas. You probably had a Phoenix in Las Vegas thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago. Uh, probably in the same basic location. Who knows? There's nothing new under the sun, according to the Bible. And uh, so we're as we get closer and closer into this thing, though, getting back to what we were talking about, um, the veils are thinning, and we're going to see more and more stuff. Uh, I wanted to read this here. This is from Chicago. Suddenly, a large winged being 
slowly descended in front of this couple, no more than 25 feet away. It hovered about five feet above the sidewalk with its wings spread open as it peered at the couple with large, bright red eyes, which is a giveaway, it's satanic, that slowly altered back and forth in intensity. Several people on the other side of the street, including a delivery van driver, reacted with screams and frightened yelps. The wing being hovered for 10 seconds and quickly pulled the wings into its body and shot right straight up into the night sky. The woman who contacted this writer described the five-foot to six-foot wing being she and her husband saw as human-like with a small head that narrowed at the top with moist, deep blue-green skin, sounds like reptilian, that appeared shiny. The wings looked like a butterfly's wings and attached along the body. It had long, tapered feet. Now, we're talking about shapeshifters here. What are we talking about? And... They've, somebody drew up a map of all the Mothman sightings along Chicago and Lake Michigan. There's over, a, the highest number I can see in this chart is 157 sightings. Now remember, it was Chuck Youngbrandt, right, who saw in a vision the huge earthquake that struck Lake Michigan and flooded Chicago out, right? Do you remember that, Larry or John? Oh, absolutely. He did, and I believe Red Elk had a similar vision. Yes. The vision Red Elk had, he said it creates an inland tsunami. It breaks apart the country into two pieces, basically. I think he's talking about kind of a new Madrid-type break apart where the whole country is broken in half. But I just thought that was kind of, what's, what's your take on the Mothman? Uh, that'll give you something to write about, <laughs> John. Actually, um, I don't know. The uh, I remember reading a book about him, The Mothman Prophecies. I was in high school, 1977, about to graduate when I ran across that book. And it just bewildered me because there were so, so many different phenomenons all going on at once. But um, I don't know. Uh, I never understood the Mothman's a cryptid or if he's just a harbinger of a bad fortune or, you know, a warning of um, impending doom, like the bridge collapse. But, uh, yeah, my Iskatini is, is a bit like a, like a moth man, but he's more of an owl man uh, from Choctaw legend. So, hmm. yeah, I'm, I haven't, I've really never been that interested in the moth man. I thought it was kind of a neat story, but, um, I don't know. As far as uh, as far as you know, something hitting in the what is it, Lake Michigan there by by uh, Chicago and yes. Yes. splitting the country. You know, again, it's just you know, I I just don't think anything's going to happen that you know that God's not going to allow. And if God does allow it, He has a good reason for it. Um, no telling how this. Uh, you know, I don't think the United States is going to be a player in the end times. I think we're going to be taken out one way or the other, either from within or defeated militarily. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just of the, the mindset that 
you know, we need to be saving as many souls as we can. We need to be evangelizing um, and and getting as many people as we can saved. And I just, I refuse, you know, I don't want any of this to happen, but I don't think we're here to suffer God's wrath, and that sounds like God's wrath. I, I kind of think that would be something that we're gone. But then again, I'm not the architect of all this. God is. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's scary, just really scary stuff, but I'm trying to stay focused on, on what it's really all about, and that's the second coming of our Messiah. So there you yeah. have it, Stuart. Uh, do you have uh, – how can people get a hold of you? We've got, got a couple minutes left, then we got to sh- shut down. Um, well, they can uh, go to my website, www.relicsbook.com, and there there's uh, an email um, link. You can email me. And that's the best way. Or you can find me on uh, on uh, Facebook or Instagram, John Bandeventer, and you can find out my books on there too. Plus, at that at that same website, www.relicsbook.com, there's uh, links to buy any of my books in any format. You're gonna have one of those soon yourself, there, Stuart. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, anyway, uh, we'll have to find out what happens this weekend. <laughs> we are coming yeah, up, by yeah. the way, on Pentecost on Sunday, folks. So yes, we are. We certainly happy are. Happy Pentecost, everybody. That uh, Pentecost is uh, uh, kind of an odd thing to have all this going on on Pentecost, unless they are mocking the Lord, which they love to do. And uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. A lot of folks say that the church age began on Pentecost, and therefore it will close down on Pentecost. Well, you know, when these people that mock God, it's just, it's getting just overwhelming. You can just turn a page, look at any direction, and somebody is mocking God. And it angers me sometimes, and then I have to remind myself, they're going to be bending their knee at the same time you do, John, so... You know they're, they're, they're going to find out a lot. I wish they would come. I wish they would come to Jesus. You know, I know that's a cliche, but because when we bow our knees, I want to be accepted. I don't want to be one of the ones thrown in the pit. And I can't imagine mocking God and then having to stand in front of Him after it. So I just pray for those people. I really do. Yep. Okay, well, Larry, thank you for coming on. Thank you for John. I guess no, it's for, for John coming on too. Thank you, John. And uh, yes, sir. Uh, Glad to be interesting. Here. So anyway, good night, everyone. Take care. Good night. Good night.